that you be seated. It's so good to see you this morning, and hey, I haven't seen some of you since last year, and uh, won't be able to say that for much longer, uh, but we're glad that you're here today and hope you've come expecting a, a blessing uh, from the Lord, and uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses um, For this first uh, sermon series of uh, the new year, as I thought and contemplated what to preach about, I felt like a good place would be to talk about grace. And that's what uh, Galatians is about, uh, the importance of grace in the child of God's life. And you know, there are a lot of things in my life that have affected me uh, over the years, some more than others, but nothing has affected me more than coming to know uh, the grace of a loving God that saved and redeemed me. And if you know that same grace, you can say, or should be able to say the same thing as well. There should be nothing greater that you know than the grace of God. And that's so important and so valuable, and yet grace is something that is far too often, especially in our culture today, taken advantage of or taken for granted. We, we don't appreciate grace. Grace is never easy and grace is never cheap. Uh, it always costs us. And when we uh, you know, treat God's grace like a get-out-of-jail-free card, it cheapens it, doesn't it? And that is a very wrong picture of grace when a child of God says, well, it's all right if I sin because I'll just ask forgiveness and God will forgive me. Well, that's a dangerous way to live, uh, and Frank, I tell you that if that's your thinking, you need to rethink your thinking uh, and get it corrected because that is not what grace is about. Because Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia, which was a region in the Roman Empire, and it's very likely one of Paul's first letters. Uh, he wrote it uh, to correct uh, some false teaching. Uh, you know, and about what grace is all about and how we're saved and what it means to be saved. And so I uh, hope we'll see as we look through this little letter that just as Paul wrote it, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, it, it was so relevant to the people then, it's still relevant to us today. Uh, and so let's dive in, Galatians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all of the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pretty standard introduction uh, to one of Paul's letters. But then Paul doesn't pussyfoot around with niceties. He dives right, next, uh, right into the purpose of his letter, uh, in the next verse, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon 
from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what, we have, than what you've received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So Paul has uh, written, and this area is present-day Turkey, so that kind of gives us some context of where these churches uh, were at. And Paul writes this letter, they were saved, and there was evidently some within the church, imagine this, that were teaching false things. There were Jewish believers in the church, there were also Gentile believers in the church, and we'll learn later on through the letter that it's likely that the problem was some of the Jewish believers were saying, listen, Yet, Gentile believer, you can be saved and be part of the family of God. And that's by grace, but also, you've got to be circumcised. And if you're not circumcised, then you're not really saved. Boy, that created a lot of problems. And it caused a lot of uh, misunderstanding and it caused division within the church, which is never a good thing. And so Paul writes this letter, and like I said, he jumps right in. He, you know, most of his letters, he gives some niceties and you know, kind of builds them up. He, doesn't do it. he says hello, and then he gets right to the point. He says, I am astounded that I was just there, pre- you know, lived among you, preached among you, uh, many of you got saved and you were baptized and now you're believing something contrary. And so he writes this letter to remind us about what grace is and begins saying, listen, grace is by faith and nothing else. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. If you could, Jesus Christ would not have needed to come. But he did. And the fact is, he did come, and he laid his life down, and he shed his blood, so that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. That's the the crux of what the gospel is. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But he said, listen, I am an apostle of Christ, not by man, but by God. In other words, nobody appointed me. And Paul said, listen, I didn't even choose myself. God chose me. And God appointed me to be his representative. And so he said in verse 10, he says, listen, my desire is not to please man, it's to please God. And he asked him to say, listen, if I were trying to please man, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. He said, I'm, I'd be a bondservant of people. And he said, I'm not a bondservant of people, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Paul understood, and we children of God need to understand that who we are is based on who saved us, 
And who saved you was not you. And who saved you was not your church. And it was not your traditions. I'm thankful to be free will Baptist. But I understand it was not free will Baptist that saved me. And it's not free will Baptist that has kept me saved. I've been baptized. I was baptized many years ago in a pool just like the one that we have here. That didn't save me. This morning we will follow a tradition of the Christian church and celebrate the Lord's Supper. We've done that together many times and probably uh, many of you have done it in other contexts, other places. This Lord's Supper is not what has saved you. As important as all of those things are, baptism, church attendance, communion, all those things are important. But that's not what saved you. What saved you is a Savior whose name was Jesus Christ that loved you and loved me and loved all the world so much that he came, was born of a virgin we celebrated a few weeks ago at Christmas time, lived a sinless, perfect life, and then we'll celebrate in a couple months Easter. We remember that Jesus laid his life down and shed his blood for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the world. And so Peter, or Paul rather, asked this question. He says, what are you after? He said, I'm after Jesus Christ and God's will and doing what God wants for me to do and accomplish. And he asked this question, what are you after? Because you see, if he wants us to understand if we're preaching any other doctrine and we're preaching other gospels, it's not because we want Jesus to be made much of, it's because we want us to be made much of. And so he says, listen, what are you chasing after? Are you chasing after the things of this world? Or are you chasing after Jesus? Can I tell you, child of God, even if you're a child of God, you still chase after the things of this world. You'll be miserable. And you'll find that chasing after the things of this world, though it promises contentment and peace and fulfillment, it delivers none of those things. But chasing after Jesus does bring those things and so much more. And you see, we decide what we chase after. And so there's three things I think that Paul wants us as we look, start looking at this gospel of Galatians, this gospel of what it means to be saved and what grace is all about. There's three things that he wants us to seek after, and the first is this, that we seek after the gospel. You know, there are a lot of different ideas about what the gospel is. Paul says, listen, if anybody comes to you and preaches a gospel different than the one we delivered when we came and preached to you, let them be accursed. In other words, don't believe them. Don't listen to that nonsense. Listen, this is what the gospel is. Every single human being on the face of planet Earth has a disease called sin, and they're headed for hell. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting 
That's what the gospel is. It is not clean yourself up and then go to church and be a better person and then you'll be saved. I tell you, there are a lot of people in this world, especially in the United States, especially in Pearl, Mississippi, that that's what they're trying to do. And maybe you at some time in your life, you've tried to do that. And can I tell you what, I can guarantee 100% of the time, every single one of those people are going to fail. You're not going to do it. Because that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about Jesus taking you just as you are. And that's great and that's wonderful. But friends, never misunderstand and think that's all the gospel is. Because the gospel is also, Jesus will take you like he found you, but he will change you and make you into something different. Make you into something brand new. Something you weren't before. And so if you think you're saved and you're exactly the same as you were before, you ain't saved. Because Jesus says the gospel changes you. And so he says, seek after the gospel But then he says, continue to seek after the gospel. Do you know this truth? And perhaps the church, maybe those of us that have been saved for years and years need to rediscover this truth. You never get over your need for the gospel. We should never have the attitude, I wish that preacher would shut up about the gospel. Can I tell you something? Even the saved need to be reminded. Because we are not saved by ourselves, And after we're saved for a little while, we get to thinking, hey, listen, I'm pretty hot stuff. But it's not you that's hot stuff. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you that's hot stuff helping you to change and be different than what you once were. But also, as you remember your constant need for the gospel and how you once were a beggar lost and Jesus graciously came and gave you new life, he found you and fed you and Uh, You found him to be the, the bread of life and the source of living water. The fulfillment that you were looking for. It's not in the things of this world. It's in Jesus and him alone. And you never get over that. But remembering that you once were lost, but now you're found, as that great hymn, Amazing Grace says, it reminds us. Don't you dare think more highly of yourself and don't you dare thumb your nose at those that are lost and those that are hurting in this world and those that are struggling in this world because you used to be in that same boat. And it is only by the grace of God that today you're not in that boat anymore. Seek after the gospel. Never get over it. And child of God, can I tell you that if you think the gospel is beyond you, you need to fall at this altar and you need to beg God to restore your love for Him and restore the hunger for Him that you once had. Because if you understand and you're living with Jesus and you understand that you are who you are by grace alone, you don't get over that. It's in our nation today, divorce rates are just so high. 
And I've heard, and, and can't people, and one time this couple came to me and this lady said, Pastor, I just don't love him anymore. Well, if you can fall out of love with somebody, you never really loved him in the first place. But marriage is not just about feelings. Why, what does that have to do with what I'm saying today? Well, I'm glad you asked. I hope I'll make the point and we'll move on. You know what? Sometimes you may not particularly feel loving towards your spouse if you're married. But you're still married. And that commitment that you made, you stood, you stood before an, an altar likely, a pastor or a judge, a justice of peace, and you made some promises. And I tell you, there are some instances, I think, where those promises, you know, that covenant is broken. But that's not what the message is about today, but we, when we make those kind of problems, we must realize it's not something we make lightly. And so Jesus says, church, seek after the gospel. It's simple. And its simplicity is what keeps, is a stumbling block to a lot of people. Because they say, it can't be that easy. You know how you receive the gospel, how you're changed by the gospel? You simply receive it by faith. You don't have to do anything. It's already been bought and paid for. All you have to do is receive it. And we say, oh, it can't be that easy. But it is. And so he says, listen, the way that you maintain your Christian walk is the same way you started it. Living in the gospel. And letting the gospel, the truth of the grace of Jesus Christ, change your life. But then secondly, he says, listen, also it's important that you seek after grounding. Seek after grounding. He says, listen, can I tell you that it's important that you know and experience the gospel? But that is not the end of the road to Christian life. Salvation is simply the beginning of a lifelong process. For far too many... It's the end, though. They never get beyond that. And how unfortunate that is. We as God's people are called to be grounded in the truth. That means we're to take God's word and we're to do two things with it. We're to study it and here's what the ground-shaking thing is. We're to live it. God just does not want you to know what's written on these pages. He wants and He expects that you live it. Well, that creates a problem when you're finding different ideas about what God's Word says. So Paul says, listen... The gospel is simple. We came, we proclaimed it, you believed it. If anybody comes and says you're saved by some other way, don't believe it. Not just because Paul said it, or one of Paul's com comrades said it, but because God's word says it. And so I say to say, listen, if I ever say anything contrary to this book, you believe this book and not me. Now, I never will knowingly do that, you know, sometimes I may slip up like I did earlier this morning with Peter and Paul and switched them up. 
heard preachers get Moses and Noah switched up, but all kinds of crap. You know, those things are inadvertent slips of the tongue. That's not what I mean. But if, you know, somebody, whether it's me, whether it's some other preacher, is preaching something contrary to what God's Word says, you believe God's Word and not them. Because God's Word is always right. But here's the thing. Far too many of us, Probably all of you here today own the Bible. Probably, the reality is most of you probably have more than one. We have access to our Bibles on our iPad, on our tablets, on our phones, on the internet. There's Bible translations in just about every single language. Although there's still some languages that don't have the gospel. Most of us, and all of us in English, there's umpteen bazillion Bible translations in English, some better than others. And so we have no, it's not that we just have the Bible. It's that we know it, it's that we've studied it. And we've digested it. How are we, we, we're grounded by coming and being part of a local body of believers. We gather together for worship. We hear the word preached. But can I tell you something? That hearing the word preached is not enough. We've got to apply it. We've got to live it. We've got to continue to study. That's what, you know, Sunday school is another way God uses to help ground us. It means we have to get here an hour early means maybe if we're studying, we'll read our Sunday school lesson ahead of time. It means maybe being involved in a small Bible study with the group of other Christians. But ground, seek after ground, ground yourself in the faith because, listen, you're not going to know the truth if you haven't studied it, and you can't live it if you don't know it. And so you've got to know it. The problem is not that we don't have access to God's Word. It is more readily available today than it's ever been, and yet Bible literacy is lower than it's ever been. And that's a problem. If you're a child of God and God wants you seeking after, if you want to be seeking after God, you've got to be in His Word. And you've got to be studying. That's how you're grounded. Listen, there's a lot of good preachers. You have one here at this church that seeks to, to preach God's word faithfully. And there are some on television, on radio, that try to do the same thing, and they're good. But what I've learned over the... They will let any Yahoo with some money have a TV program or a radio program. And so when you are listening to some preaching on the radio or on television or on Facebook, and that preacher's saying something contrary to God's word, turn it off. Don't listen to it. There are a lot of false teachers out there today. There's people that are flouting some crazy nonsense about God's word. Don't believe, not just because it's not the preacher, your pastor saying it, but because it's going against God's word. 
And then lastly, Paul says, listen, the most important thing is, remember to always seek after the gospel and seek after being grounded in Christ. Not the things of this world. But then he says, seek after God. And that's the point of this, is that once you've found God, you see, before we meet God, God's seeking after us. We don't know Him. He's not on our radar. But once we find Him, and He has found us, we've got to continue to seek after Him. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it will be given to you. But friend, we have to constantly seek after the things of God. And most importantly, seek after God's approval. Can I tell you, it's much more important that God says, yeah, that's a good guy, that's a good gal right there, than it is to say, look at all the stuff I've got. Look at how far up the corporate ladder I've climbed. Look at how big my house is or how many cars I've got or how many boats I've got. How many trophies and awards I've got. Not that any of those things are necessarily bad in themselves, but when those are the things that we're seeking after, you're not going to find God's plan for your life. And you're not going to do and accomplish all that God has and created you to accomplish because you're not seeking after Him. And so Paul says, listen, am I here to persuade men? Yes. Am I here for, so folks will like me so I can win a popularity contest? Nope. He said, if I was here to win a popularity contest, I wouldn't be a preacher of the gospel. Paul would not be doing what he was doing. He said, listen, I'm here because I am seeking after God. I'm chasing after Him. And what a difference it made in Paul's life. Friend, can I tell you that grace should make a difference in your life? In just a moment after we sing this hymn of invitation, we're going to receive communion. And communion is a reminder to us just what grace is. Grace isn't that God just wiped away our sin. It's that God sent His Son to pay for our sin by shedding His blood so we didn't have to shed ours. What a great gift that is. And something that grace should never be cheapened. It should never be taken for granted. And friend, maybe you're here today, maybe somebody on Facebook's watching us this morning. That's never experienced grace and what it is to have new life and to find what real meaning and purpose in life is. Today you can find it. It's found in the gospel. And the gospel is not that you have to work. You can't work hard enough to, find the, to meet the gospel. You can't deserve it enough. You can't buy it. But the thing is, it's already been bought and paid for. All you have to do is receive it. 
And so I pray that you will receive it today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and for the gospel reminder of how important and central the gospel must be in our life. Lord, we, may we, like Paul, seek to hunger after the gospel. May we continue to be changed by the gospel. Lord, thank you that you receive us just like we are, but you do not leave us like you found us. And God, as long as we have breath and we're living in this earth, you are continually remaking us, doing a new work in us, a work of grace, a work of the gospel. May we never get over that. May we help others that are in the same need of the gospel just like we once were. May we take that message to them. Help us to be grounded in our faith. And most importantly, let us hunger and thirst after you. Let us seek after you. Not the applause of men. Not the things of this world. Forgive us when the bright lights elude us. And pull us off course. Keep us anchored to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this great old hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood? And I tell you, that's what makes the difference, being washed in the blood. Not washed in baptism waters, not being washed in church membership, but washed in the blood of Jesus Christ by faith, receiving the gift of salvation. That's what the gospel is, is that you once were lost, but God knew right where you were, and he came after you. And he'll take you just as you are, but be ready. He's not going to leave you like he found you. So let's sing uh, this great old hymn, fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, "This, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant and my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it is determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who should do this. As we come, we're reminded every time we come to, that it's not just a tradition, but God knows we as human beings learn by object lessons. And so he gave this bread and this cup to remind us what grace is. And so as we receive the cup this morning, uh, we'll have a call. You pass out the bread and Brother George. Give the wine. Just hold both until everybody's been served and then we'll uh, eat and drink together.
the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for your remissions. Let's eat and drink in remembrance of him. We never get over the gospel. We always remember God loved us so much that he gave himself for us. And not just us only, but for whosoever. And friends, there's a lot of whosoever's out there that still need to know. And so let's pray that God will help us as a church to share that gospel with some of those folks that still need to hear it. So let's stand together. The Gospel of Mark says that after the supper, they sang a hymn and then went out. So we're going to sing our, just one verse. Uh, I don't know if it's on the, uh, I think it is, but we all know it well enough. I think we can uh, start it. Robin's going to start us off because somebody